Welcome to the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shayla Toombs-Withers. As a double board certified family and obesity medicine physician with over 12 years of experience in medicine, I teach motivated individuals how to achieve their desired quality of life while preventing and reversing chronic diseases. It's tea time. On today's episode of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast, I have a special guest, Dr. Maya McCarthy. Dr. Maya is a fertility coach who helps African-American women navigate the sometimes uncertain waters of assisted reproduction and fertility challenges. She is also a practicing board-certified physician, a dedicated wife, and a proud mother to their two-year-old daughter. Dr. Maya holds a unique position in that she is also a woman who has experienced fertility challenges, and because of her own experience, she is committed to leaving no woman, especially a woman of color, behind or alone. With her signature program, Thrive Fertility Coaching, she helps women to overcome infertility despite the odds they may face. Specifically, Dr. Maya provides her clients with the knowledge, resources, and accountability necessary to make lasting changes in their lives that can improve their overall health as well as fertility outcomes, so a double win. When she is not serving others, Dr. Maya enjoys what life has to offer by spending quality time with her family, honing her skills as a classical pianist, and watching the latest Disney shows with her daughter. Being in service to others as a healer and a coach is truly Dr. Maya's soul work. She counts it as a joy and a privilege to serve in this unique way and seeks to surround herself with others who believe the same. So thank you so much, Dr. Maya, for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Dr. Shayla. It is my pleasure to be here. All righty. So Dr. Maya, you have such an interesting, even personal story as to how you came about to do the important work that you do. So can you just share that with us? Absolutely. You know, Dr. Shayla, it's a long story, but I'm going to try to give you the abridged version, but it's important to share because I want women to know out there who are going through the same process or about to, you are not alone. I literally, literally believe that. So everything started for me at 34. Okay. So I'm 34 years old headed to my OB for my regular OB appointment. And I'm about to leave. And she says to me, well, Maya, so you're 34 and um, we need to start thinking about your fertility and about family building. And I'm like, okay. So I'm single as a dollar bill with no prospects ahead of me. And so to think about family building at 34 and single was really quite overwhelming. And so what she recommended to me was that I consider harvesting my eggs. And so, you know, honestly, I really appreciate her for doing that because had it not been for her just putting that little bug in my ear and mentioning things that to me, I may not have been successful down the road when it came time for me to harvest again. And so I found a clinic, I found a fertility specialist, went through all of the initial consultations, 
started the procedure, really, you know, with the rubber the road, doing all of the injections and whatnot, having the ultrasound appointments. And at every appointment, they would say to me, oh, this is going to be a great cycle. You've got plenty of follicles. This is great, great, great. So I'm expecting the day that we go in for the actual procedure, I go to sleep and I'm thinking I'm going to have lots of eggs that are retrieved. But I wake up and the doctor says to me, Maya, I only got six. I'm like, wait, didn't you just tell me that you were able to, you know, you saw so many follicles on my ultrasound. What do you mean you only have six? And to be quite honest, yes, I had lots of follicles, but they were not mature. And so I was diagnosed with PCOS. Mm. That's how I found out I had it. And then, you know, how sometimes you'll do the Monday morning quarterback thing and you're really thinking about oh yeah, my periods were irregular or are irregular or, oh yeah, my insulin is resistant. And, you know, I never really had a lot of the facial male pattern, facial hair um, that can go with PCOS. I had some, but not a lot. But as I started thinking about it, everything came together and especially with the insulin resistance for me. And I was like, yeah, I do have PCOS. And so what I decided to do at that point was really take my little six eggs. They remained on ice and kept moving with my life. So it took a lot of pressure off of me to to date and to find someone to be married to or, or partnered with. And so what ended up happening, now I'm at 39 and I just met my husband Um, We got married when I was 39, and then we decided we wanted to have children. Now, I'm on pause there for a minute because there is a twist to this story, okay? So when I met my husband, I knew he had a vasectomy. He told me he did because he likes to say that one of my first questions that I asked him or the first comment that I made was, I want to have children, do you? Now, I might have said you that. You had a like plan. <laughs> Listen, I had There's a plan. There's nothing wrong with the plan. Right? There's nothing wrong with the plan. And I was of an older age. And so, you know, let's just let's just be honest with each right. other. So that might have been the second or third question I asked. But I did ask the question. So I knew he had a vasectomy. And so I knew that there was probably no way to successfully reverse that vasectomy because it had been like 20 plus years. And so I also knew that I had PCOS. I did disclose that to him. I don't think he really knew what it meant. He is non-medical. So he just was like, oh, okay. And so I knew though, knowing what I know and what we know about medicine, this was going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. So, but I just, I decided to still date him because I also knew that the pathways to becoming a mother were many don't always look like a, a natural conception. And in fact, before I met him, I almost adopted a child um, when I was working at a previous location. I was like, well, I'm going to do this by myself. Again, single as a dollar bill, had nobody in sight, but I knew I wanted to be a mother. So anyway, fast forward to after the wedding and we went to our fertility specialist. This is at the top of 2019. 
we show up in the office and she says, okay, your husband's had a vasectomy. We're going to need to go to the source of sperm. And so believe it or not, people are actually able to do that, to go right to the source where sperm are produced. Now, of course, they're not mature. So you almost have to go through, you do have to go through an IVF procedure in order to be pregnant. So we showed up for his procedure. I met the urologist and I'm sitting in the waiting room waiting for him. And suddenly the man just flew out and walked out of the door. And I'm like, what? What's going on? Right. Yeah. Next thing I know, they called us back to the uh, physician's office. And we're sitting there speaking with her and she literally said to us, you will never have your own biological child. Hmm. That's a lot to take in. Even though, you you know, when all your knowledge, even though you knew, you know, the odds were were stacked against you, but that is just to like that. That's a lot. It was a lot, Dr. Shayla, and a lot to process because everything else she said after that, I just was like, wah, wah, wah. I didn't hear any of it. And I was like, pass me this box of tissue because I started crying. I mean, the tears just fell and fell. I heard her say something about sperm donor. I heard her say something about embryo adoption, but all I heard was really, I'm not going to be able to be a mother. That's what I heard. Yeah. And so my husband and I gathered ourselves and we left and went to, uh, went home and, and having to pass by women who were pregnant. And, you know, having to see that and realize that I was just told that I couldn't get be pregnant with my own biological child just devastated me. And quite honestly, I withdrew and really became a shell of myself, all the while trying to be a new wife, but at the same time, realizing that this path to motherhood for me was not going to be straight. Yeah. And so I had my little pity party. I just had my own little pity party. And one day I remember calling my mother and the pain, uh, and it was so deep. It was a deep ache and an intense pain that I am weeping at this point, not crying, but weeping, just right. painful. And my mother said, I'm on my way. And she came, I don't know who she called, but she also showed up with the rest of my friends. My girlfriends who just surrounded me in that moment and allowed me to just release all of that pain that I had around the situation. And then, and I'd been on my knees praying, but then one day I woke up and I was like, now wait just one minute now. I know there has to be another option. I'm a physician. Let me use my physician hat for a minute and let me find some more resources. And so that's what I did. We found a reproductive urologist. And so this is what he does day in, day out. He saw my husband first and said, oh, sure. Um, you guys want children? We need sperm from him. I can make that happen. That's not a problem. And what we realized, quite honestly, was that he was on testosterone previously and you know for men who as they age their testosterone levels decrease and so it helps in a number of ways to boost that testosterone so he was getting testosterone pellets but at the time of that first procedure 
But we also didn't realize testosterone decreases sperm production. That's why he didn't have any that first time. So at this point, the doctor said, okay, I'll put you on a medication to help increase your sperm production. We'll do that for three months. Meanwhile, I came over to the clinic as well as a patient. The doctor decided, let's try one more time to harvest some eggs. At this time, I'm now 39, so I'm older. I am obese. I have chronic hypertension and PCOS. So all the things added and stress. Up too from this whole situation yeah from this whole situation oh I'm a pediatrician too so my day job just stress and so you know we decided to go through the process again so I did all the injections again all of that over again and this time we actually had to extend my 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 stem cycle because I wasn't responding like they thought that I should um, to the medications. Like I was getting some follicles, but they weren't growing like they thought they, they should have. And so it came down to harvesting day and it was going to be harvesting day for both of us. So my husband went first again and had the very same procedure he had months prior. As, you know, it, it made sense for him to go first because if he, we didn't have any sperm, there was no need for me to go through another retrieval. We would just go right to a sperm donor. Donor, right. So he had his procedure and came back so quick. They getting ready to wheel me back. I spoke to the urologist. I was like, you finished? He's like, of course. How many children you want? That was plenty of sperm in there. I'm on my way to the golf course. Y'all have a great day. Bye. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, and so then they wheeled me back. And woke up, he said, Doc, I was only able to get three. I only got three. And he usually would cancel a cycle if there were only three to retrieve. But because he knew um, what our plans were, what our goals were, he was like, I'm willing to do it for you. And, and so we took a chance and we did. So we took those six that I had previously. And I literally had to like go get them from the clinic in a liquid nitrogen tank, put it in my car, buckle it up. Cause I was like, right. these are my babies. That was precious cargo. Yeah. Yes. And so we brought it to the new clinic. I gave it to the embryologist. And so she took those six with the three that we got from that procedure and she fertilized them right then with my husband's sperm. And so there ensued that weight. So we had we had nine eggs and the attrition rate is really high, period. So you can imagine you might have a better chance if you're starting out with a larger number of eggs. Well, I only had nine. So the possibilities, statistically speaking, of me ending up with a normal embryo was probably slim to none. And so by the time all was said and done, we did genetic testing. We ended up with two normal embryos, two. And so I was like, well, praise God for two. We're going to take it. Yeah. And we prepared for our transfer and we told the doctor, put the best one in coach, put the best one in. (laughs) And so he did. And now we have our two and a half year old daughter who is both, is composed of both of our genetic material. So something a doctor never told me I'd be able to do, I was able to achieve 
with the grace of God, mm-hmm. but also with a transformation, really, of my mindset, my belief, my thought. I had to carry and develop so much belief that when I went in that transfer room to have my procedure, I was in full belief that what God had promised me was going to happen. And, yeah. and it did. Now, I delivered her early. That's a whole nother talk for another conversation. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I'm looking down the barrel now of another fertility yeah. situation because I cannot carry anymore because I developed her early and the conditions that were surrounding that. So we're going to have to consider surrogacy at this point. And again, that's another path to motherhood that I never thought that I was going to have to think about, you know, as a young girl, you grow up thinking that you're going to get married by X number of X years and you're going to have 2.5 kids by this right. time. Well, life just didn't work out like that. Exactly. So, and life know, often doesn't work out yes. the, the way we plan it. <laughs> Excellent. Absolutely not. So I had to adjust. We had to adjust. Yeah. But, but we were able to achieve the goal at the end. And that was to first to become parents. And so we did. I love that. You know, I love so much about your story, Dr. Maya, and I, and I just really appreciate you for sharing that. You know, there's so many important parts to your story. Uh, one, like you said, your belief in your faith that carries us far with a number of decisions and a number of goals that we have in our lives. And then the other part to that is I love the community aspect of what you talked about. You had your mom surrounding you. You had your girlfriends surrounding you. You had your family. And all of those, that community was so important too for building yes. you up, for yes. boosting you, providing that that source of comfort for you when you needed it most, when, when you couldn't remember what that goal was and your belief might have been lacking some time at that point, but you had that community to carry you through. And that's just another important thing you know, to take with us through through life in general. And yes, so I, through I life love so in much general. about your story. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Now I wasn't always like that because right. I yeah. felt like I couldn't share it with anybody. Yeah. I mean, I would go to those fertility clinics and be wearing sunglasses, trying to cover my face and be like, oh no, nobody need to see me in here, then I'm struggling with this. Yeah. And then to add insult to injury, I was the only person of color in the waiting right. room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's something we don't talk about it enough. No. We, we don't talk about it. We we feel we have to hide and we can't share that because it, it feels almost shameful, but it shouldn't. Right. It shouldn't right. be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and we're going to dive into this more, but there are health conditions and, and challenges that occur that can contribute to these things. So it's definitely something that we should be talking about and we should be having mm-hmm. these conversations. If you're frustrated with your weight, taking more medications than you'd like to, have been told that you are at risk for the development of a chronic preventable disease, or just are not feeling in the best of health, then I'm talking to you. Why? Because you're tired of fat dieting, you know it's time for a change, and you want a sustainable plan to improve your health. If you have found yourself at this place in life, well, I have developed a program that's just for you. It's called The Essence of Health, and it's your prescription for transformation. 
My goal with this program is to give you the tools needed to create sustainable lifestyle changes within a group coaching setting, along with one-to-one individualized coaching to give you a personalized path to health that's just for you. The benefits are priceless. So join today. Head on over to eohcoaching.com to learn more. The essence of health is in you. Now, so in your work that you've done now and even more in your studying with fertility, what are some of the common causes of fertility challenges that you Yeah, you know, you and I know that it can, the human body is amazing and uh, it can also, you know, there can be some challenges you know, when things are are not quite right. And so I like to think about it in kind of two different buckets. This can be an anatomical reason for infertility, or it can be a a pathophysiology or a physiological reason for infertility. So when you think about anatomical reasons, that things like fibroids, the simple as fibroids, we know that fibroids are really common in African-American women in particular, Um, But if you can think about you've got a fibroid in your uterine cavity, of course, that may inhibit an egg from being fertilized and the embryo to be transplanted or even implanted if you're doing this naturally, it may inhibit that from happening. So some women have recurrent miscarriages, recurrent transfer or implantation failure because of fibroids. So that is one thing that, you know, I suggest that all women are getting themselves checked for. I mean, that's what your family medicine physician or your OBGYN can absolutely help you monitor for. And if you have fibroids, I have fibroids um, to get them removed. In fact, I had several polyps that needed to be removed. I I had two DNCs before my Mm -hmm. IVF procedure because of polyps that I had. So obviously that was going to get in the way. But then when you think about physiological reasons for infertility, PCOS comes top of mind because it is also very common in African-American women. And it can look many ways. You know, people think um, about PCOS as a woman who's overweight, who has like that male pattern, facial hair, hair, irregular periods, you know, right, 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 right. But that's not always the case. There are some women who have PCOS who are thin, who are thin as a rail and still have those hormone imbalances because really that's what it is um, that prevent them from becoming pregnant. So PCOS is one. Then you've got endometriosis, another common disease that ails us as African-American women that can also inhibit being able to conceive. And then some women have all three. They've got fibroids, they've got PCOS, they've got endometriosis. And then I really and truly believe, you know, all of those things combined together or even separate contribute to chronic inflammation in our body. And you and I know that when we are chronically inflamed, it will absolutely hinder our bodies from working the way that it should. And that has no no difference on on fertility. It can absolutely hinder your fertility if you're chronically inflamed. 
Yeah, yeah. And those are, are all very important things to take note of. It, it highlights the fact, me being in family medicine, I often encounter a lot of individuals. It comes to me and I say, you know, well, who's your pro- who's your previous primary? And it's, oh, I haven't seen a doctor in 10 years or five years. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? And really, I try to always make the point to people that regardless of if you feel good, you should still have a primary care doctor and you should be seeing that doctor at least once a year. It's a general checkup because there are so many things we can catch on the front end um, from a preventative standpoint. We could recognize sooner or can prevent even from happening to improve your health and to keep you from having certain health conditions. Yes, we're all about prevention, prevention, prevention. Yes. Right now. And so one of the other parts to your story I like is that your OB actually talked to you about fertility early. And would you say that one should even consider that they may be experiencing a fertility challenge? And when should they think about having that discussion with their doctor? You know, quite honestly, and I've spoken with several REIs, they have women coming into their offices as young as in their 20s looking for egg harvesting because they know and because somebody has said it to them or their doctor whoever the case may be has said to them you know you might want to consider you know preserving your fertility now before things get to be a little bit older but Definitely. And and some people think about that. Oh, well, it's cost prohibitive. I'm not going to be able to afford to do that. I will tell you there are programs and clinics out there that are really trying to meet that need for women to make the procedures less cost restrictive. And so uh, really that opportunity is out there if that's what you want to do. Now, I'm not recommending that anybody does that in their 20s, but I'm just saying that there are people who do it in their 20s. However, if you're getting to be in your early 30s to mid 30s, and either you are like me, single as a dollar bill, ain't nothing, you know, down the line, or you are partnered and you've been trying and things are not happening, do not wait. I'd give it six months to try on your own and then go see your fertility doctor immediately. Because the sooner they can get to you, particularly for the woman, the better outcomes will be. Because we know a younger egg is just going to do a whole lot better than an older egg. And as women, you know, this fact is we were born with all the eggs we will ever have in our life. And so that's not the case for men. They they can create sperm until they're old, but women are just not able to do that. And so the sooner you can get in to see your fertility specialist, the better. Right, right. That's so true. And the other thing about that, I think that's interesting. I didn't even realize that women in their 20s were seeking mm-hmm. egg harvesting. But that's as women in medicine, you and I both know that for a lot of us, we do, we put fertility on the back burner because we know it's it's a long road to becoming a doctor and to getting really into your field. And yes. so we always, yes. oh, you know, I got to wait till I finish medical school. I got to wait till I finish residency. I got to wait till I finish this fellowship yes. kind of thing. And then the next thing you know, you're 
over 35 and now you know you're having these challenges and so that is a good way to think about it that you can especially if you know you're going to be on one of these long career paths that it might be something you consider and think about right and you know recently someone said something to me about a particular fertility clinic who's actually partnered with a surgical subspecialty residency program so that includes like general surgery OBGYN those folks who are no like you said are going to be on a longer path to actually partner with them to help them with their egg fertility or their egg harvesting to preserve their fertility. And I've never seen anybody do that before. And I thought that was really, really awesome. So there are things out there that are available if it's something you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And definitely good to know. Okay. And now, so with you doing coaching and helping those individuals with their fertility journey, when should people seek out someone like you to have on board as a part of their fertility journey? Yeah, I would say as soon as you know that you've made the decision to go down that journey. So if you know, you know, that the doctor has diagnosed you with infertility and you're going to have to look at doing some sort of assisted reproduction technique or technology, I would say the coaching needs to start right at that moment. Now, I will tell you, most of the women in my program have been down that road a bit longer or have done it multiple times and are seeking coaching to really try to do something different to increase their chances of a successful pregnancy down the road. And so I would say immediately, if you know this is what you want to do and you've made the decision, but at any point along your journey, coaching is always available. Yeah. And what are some of the things that you typically touch on with your clients? Yeah. So it goes back to, you know, what I shared with you earlier about to really, really change my mindset around infertility. So that's a huge part of what I work with my my clients on because we don't realize the unconscious thoughts that we've allowed ourselves or our bodies have thought, our brains have thought about infertility. And so I simply, you know, hold the space to kind of help coach people along watching how their brain thinks, just observing your thoughts. And so what we work on intensely is bringing those subconscious thoughts to the consciousness so that we can recognize who, who they are, what they are, And we can change those thoughts, create new ones, because when we absolutely create new thoughts, we've created a new belief. And when we've created a new belief, absolutely your actions will follow. Your body will start moving the way your brain thinks. And so then that will inform your results. And so that's what I had to do. I had to to coach myself almost on, you know, with the help of my psychiatrist. Let me not mention, let me not forget my psychiatrist and my psychologist were so helpful to me on this journey. But I I had to coach myself on, you know, changing my beliefs and even identifying the limiting beliefs that I was unconsciously holding on to that would affect my chances of, of being a mother. Um, whatever way that that looks. And we know, you and I know, there's a mind and body connection that is real. 
It is absolutely real. There are things that when you feel or you think that will affect your physical body, it will affect your physical body. So we focus on that a lot. That's the foundation of everything that we do in the coaching program. And then we talk about other things, you know, outside of um, the norm for, for fertility that you might not have thought about to do to actually help increase your chances. So, and then because I'm familiar with the procedures, I've been through most of them right. before, you know, I can help coach clients on, okay, this is what you can expect when you go or helping you find your blind spot, helping the blind spots that you might have when you're going to your doctor, advocate for yourself with your reproductive specialist as far as here are the questions to ask your fertility specialist and here are the things to know. So you're going into this process fully empowered from a position of power and not a position of, okay, these things are happening to me, but you're then going through this in a full position of power, armed with all of the resources and in a changed, transformed mind to increase your chances of having a successful pregnancy, because that's what this is all about. However, knowing that you want to be a mother, that is the goal. And so pathways to motherhood can be many. And so for some women, that's a natural uh, conception. Some women need assisted reproduction where they're using IVF. Some women are needing to use donor eggs and that is okay. Some women are needing to use sperm donors and that is also okay. Some women need a whole embryo adoption. That's Mm -hmm. also okay. Some women need adoption Mm -hmm. or a surrogate and that's okay. Right. As long as the goal is achieved, of, of obtained and achieved, yeah. that's what I'm here to help my co- my clients do. Yeah, that's awesome too. And that's too so important where the mindset part of that comes into play, because I'm sure in my work, I do a lot of prevention and helping people with obesity and, and chronic health conditions. And even that mindset part plays a huge part into that, into how, you know, yes. it's part into what we put, the foods that we consume, whether or not we're going to get up and work out. So it plays a part into that. But even just having that, when you're thinking about your fertility, I'm sure people come to you and they may have one thought about the way things were going to go. But like we said, things definitely don't always go as we plan. So having that mindset and being mentally prepared for those and the resources and knowledge of those other options that are out there. And so that's that's great work that you're doing. Yeah. And so what are some questions that someone should ask their doctor if, if they're just getting started along with this thing? What are, what are some important questions they should ask? Yeah. So because um, we're, we're scientists, I'm also driven by data a little bit. So I want to see the data from the specific clinic that I'm considering. Um, And in fact, the CDC actually releases a report card of sorts every year for every fertility clinic in the United States. So you're able to go go to their website, pull down that that document, and you can look at the clinics and see what their data are. What are their um, live births? Um, success rates. You know, you can look at different data. 
I had no um, idea that even existed. I, mm-hmm. And I look at the CDC for a lot of things, but I did not know yeah, right. they measured that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do measure it. And so if they're, you know, someone who needs to kind of make a decision about objective data, you can kind of look at that and then go into the clinic and ask the physician, hey, what are your success rates? What are your live birth rates? You know, what are your, what are your IVS success rates, IUI success rates, whatever the case may be. And then, you know, because what the, the physician should do is, is hear your story, take your clinical presentation along with some labs that they might do and ask questions about those labs. So what are we checking? What are we checking these for? How will that have any bearing on this process as a whole? And so what that physician will do is take your clinical presentation, take your lab work, come with a come up with a plan, a recommendation for you. Usually that's in the form of if you're doing IVF, a protocol that you're doing. And so that includes different medications that you will need. And really to boil it all down, what you're trying to do when you give yourself these injections is to say to your brain, to say to your ovary, produce more eggs. More eggs, more eggs, more eggs, more eggs. That's the long and short of it. That's what you're trying to do. And so you want to ask questions about these medications as far as their side effects. What could happen uh, if you need to go longer in your stem cycle like I did? You know, what are the implications of that? And so really any questions should not be off the table. Even as far as I asked the question when it came time to prepare for the transfer, are you, my fertility specialist, going to be able to do my transfer? Because, you know, I've been working with him for so long. That's who I wanted to do my transfer. Now, that is not always possible because, as you know, we rotate clinical yeah. responsibilities. And so there might be another position performing that. But you just want to know. I asked about the embryologist. Where they're, where they, how long they've been with the clinic, how long have they been doing this? The embryologist is absolutely key, really, to the entire process. They're the ones that are going to be at the bench fertilizing that egg and that sperm. And so, and so those kind of questions are critical. And I would encourage women, and again, this is part of the coaching that I provide, even before you even go to that first clinic visit, we can sit down hear about your situation and come up with a list of questions that you might want to ask your physician. Again, I'm helping you watch your blind right. side. Yeah. And that's, um, uh, you know, that just really speaks to why if someone is is having the situation, why they should be seeking someone like you. Because I will say as a family doctor, you just taught me a, a number of things that <laughs> Because it's not my specialty. It's not what I do. Right. You know, so right. I, right. I will right. gladly right. refer you out to the reproductive <laughs> specialist. Well, but you know, you. I can't give you all of that. You right. never mentioned knowledge beforehand. So it's helpful to have someone who knows those things, who's been down that road mm-hmm. and who can guide you along with that level of knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's important. Yeah. And so if someone's going through a fertility issue right now, what are some self-care strategies that that you will say, just a couple that they can be doing to help? Yes. So our goal is to try to decrease stress. Decreasing stress will decrease the inflammation in your body, which will help you, you know, prepare your body for a successful cycle. And then once you're transferred and you're pregnant, it'll help you have a successful pregnancy. 
The less stress you can be under, the better the outcomes are going to be. So whatever that looks like for you. So for me, that looked like I'm a classical pianist, as you mentioned. Playing the piano for me takes me to a whole nother world. It definitely reduces my stress. So that helps. Meditation helps. I journal. So sometimes, you know, I can't, I'm thinking thoughts, I'm feeling feelings and need to just really get it out on paper to release it so that that can no longer sit within my body and, and cause, you know, any stress. So I'm doing that. Sometimes I, I actually recommend to my clients about doing prayer walks. If you like to be outside, outside is great for stress relief and you're not trying to run a marathon but you're just right. you know as you're walking along you're getting your exercise but you're also increasing your belief you're also increasing your spiritual component because there is a spiritual component to this whatever you believe in to communicate with your creator to help strengthen you during this time those are also big stress relievers so what it can look like different things for different people but those are just a few things that I've done or I've recommended for others. Yeah, those are awesome tips. Well, Dr. Maya, thank you so much for sharing all these wonderful things. Now, how can my audience connect with you? Of course, listen, it has been my pleasure. Let me say, Dr. Shayla, thank you so much for holding this space for, for people to come and talk about and hear about different topics pertaining to their health so that they can be whole and healthy. You are doing tremendous work in this space. Thank Don't you. stop. Thank Don't you. stop. Keep pressing the gas. Right. So, <laughs> but um, your listeners can certainly find me on all social media platforms. I am at the doctor's womb on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. Um, I even have a private Facebook group for women who are thinking about undergoing an assisted reproductive uh, procedure or are in the middle of one and want to just have some community. And then, of course, I have my website, www.thedoctorswomb.com. And my email address is maya at thedoctorswomb.com. So you can always get in touch with me in that way. And if you want to schedule some time to talk to me about my coaching program, I am more than happy to share that information with you um, and to get you started, really. Let's get started. We, we got, we got a, some goals to meet and let's get started doing it. Right. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And for those listening, I'm going to put all of that information for you in the show notes so that you can connect with Dr. Maya, because as you can see, she is just a wealth of knowledge and information and would certainly be a great asset to to your fertility journey. Yeah. Yeah. So thank well, you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for joining me today on the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss a moment of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Check out the show notes to obtain your free tips for healthy living guide to get you started on your health and wellness path. Follow me on social media at Essence of Health Wellness Clinic on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and at dr.tw at eohwc on TikTok. Interested in becoming a member of the Essence of Health Coaching Program? Well, head on over to www.eohcoaching.com. 
the essence of health is in you.